Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. That time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their magnificence. And he said to them, All these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this, Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. I mentioned every first Sunday in Lent, we hear about the root origin of Lent, which is the 40 days that Jesus spent in the desert before being tempted by the devil. We probably know the temptations by heart after hearing them every year, to turn rocks into bread, to jump off the precipice of the temple and to tempt God and to worship the devil. But what we may gloss over is one phrase that the devil says to Jesus. Twice he says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, do this. Within this phrase is a big question that theologians have asked through the centuries about the devil. What did the devil know about Jesus? Did he know Jesus was the Christ? Did the devil know that Jesus was the second person of the Holy Trinity, God in the flesh? Unlike God, who is omniscient, who knows everything, the devil is only a created being. And as a spiritual being, he's not subject to our physical weaknesses and limitations. And he has superior intellect. But the devil is not omniscient. He can only observe and make intellectual deductions. But he could not have known that Jesus was actually God in the flesh for two reasons. One, because Jesus was true man and did not reveal his glory until after the resurrection. And two, because the devil would never have worked to have Jesus crucified if he had known Jesus was God, because he intellectually knew he couldn't kill God. So what's going on with the devil asking Jesus, if you are the son of God, do this? Well, it's the devil trying to figure out how to respond to what had just happened immediately before our gospel today when Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. And the heavens opened up, the Spirit of God descended like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, 
this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And the response of Jesus to the devil reveals to us three things. First, the reversal of man's disobedience to God. Second, the coming of the new Adam. And third, our new status before God. Now, since the fall of Adam and Eve, as we heard in the first reading today, man has been subject to original sin, which brings with it a certain disobedience against God. This disobedience is described many times in the Old Testament, but we all are still aware of it in our world and even in our own lives. But to understand the three temptations of Jesus in the gospel today, you need only go back to three chapters in the book of Deuteronomy, six, seven, and eight. The first temptation to disobedience is when the Jewish people during the Exodus didn't believe that God would take care of them and to complain to Moses that they would starve in the desert. What God did was send manna from heaven to feed them. And then in Deuteronomy 8.3, God warned them that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, as Jesus told Satan in reversing man's disobedience. Then, also during the Exodus, the people were disobedient in complaining to Moses at Massah that they were going to die of thirst, asking Moses if God was even there. Moses struck the rock and water flowed. And so, in Deuteronomy 6.16, God said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as Jesus told the devil in reversing man's disobedience. Then also during the Exodus at Mount Sinai, the people were disobedient in making a golden calf and worshiping it. And so in Deuteronomy 6.13, God said, the Lord your God shall you worship and him alone shall you serve. As Jesus told the devil in reversing man's disobedience. And that leads us to Jesus as being called the new Adam. The revelation of Jesus being the one to counter the disobedience of all men since the time of Adam is explained by St. Paul in the reading today from Romans. St. Paul recognized, as we do, that the sin of Adam brought sin into the world. We are aware of this because we can sometimes be the subject of sin by sinning or the victim of the sins of another. And St. Paul tells us that just as through the disobedience of one man, and the word Adam in Hebrew means man, the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of the one, Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. But notice what St. Paul says. He says the many, the poloi in Greek, where we get the word hoi poloi, the people, many, will be made righteous. But he doesn't say all will be made righteous. And this reminds us of one line in the Eucharistic prayer where I say, this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many. Now we might have this hope that all people will be saved, but that's not what the Bible says. And it's also not our experience of the world where we witness so much willful evil and unrepentant sin. 
Many people are content with this world, its pleasures, its created things, and earthly power. Those are the things with which Jesus was tempted and those which he rejected. So how are we to number among the ones to be made righteous? That's the third part of the revelation in the gospel today, found in the phrase, Son of God. It's our status. When the devil uses that phrase, if you are the Son of God in the gospels today, he's only inquiring as to what he understands, that a voice from heaven has just called Jesus the Son of God. The Holy Trinity had not yet been revealed to him. We know Jesus as the second person of the Holy Trinity through the revelation of Jesus in the light of the Holy Spirit. But see, Jesus came to make us sons and daughters of God. We are sons of God by adoption, through baptism into Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God and God himself. This is the centerpiece of the gospel. This is the good news. We share in salvation, which is not only the deliverance from sin, but the fullness of good, the supreme goodness of the sonship of God. By being sons and daughters of God, we share in his divine nature, meaning we have the ability to fight against the temptations of the devil as Jesus fought and won in the desert. Our golden land is to realize that we have the power to gain victory over the devil because we are children of God. That's what brings us together today. That's why we come together to call God our Father in the Lord's Prayer. And that's why we join ourselves with his divine Son in the Eucharist. And we are confident in our victory, not because of our own merits, but because of our faith in the one who has conquered, Jesus Christ, our Lord.